This is Konzenshu, the podcast, episode 435 for the week of March 4th, 2018. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Konzenshu, the podcast. That's right, an extension of the all encompassing Dragon Ball fan site. Konzenshu. We cover anything and everything Kochikame in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. Julie and I were taken over again, just the two of us. Yep, here we just are. Just like old, old, many, many years ago. Old times. Old times. <laughs> That's Julie and my name yeah. is Mike. This is episode 435 of our podcast. We took a, a little bit of a break. We were going great with Weekly for a little bit. We, we had weather that interrupted plans and then other stuff going on. And all right, so we took a couple of weeks off, but we're back again to talk about about uh, the, the most important thing going on in Dragon Ball right now, as Dragon Ball Super comes to a close, Julian, let's let's talk about Kochikame crossovers. So yeah, there's a TV show ending, the first TV show since the end of Dragon Ball TV that comprises original material. And we're talking about stuff from years and years ago. Yep, that's how we roll here. <laughs> There's a little bit of a tie-in to an official thing going on. Uh, we've talked about the nearly complete works of Akira Toriyama that the official Japanese Dragon Ball website is doing Monday through Friday. They're just posting up a random thing that they have. And this ties into a, a somewhat recent thing that they put up. And then new content that we put up. We said, all right, hey, let's just talk about all these various things. We've mentioned a couple of them uh, here and there over the years, but this gives us a chance to just talk about them all at once. I don't know that people really know about this stuff if we don't make a concerted effort to talk about it all in one convenient location at the same time. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, Julian, before we get to our topic, uh, by the time this episode comes out, by the time I edit it and get around to <laughs> putting out the episode, uh, do you know that on March 6th, 1998, do you remember what happened that day? Was it when you first put out Vegito EX's DBZ links page? No, no, like I no, no, I, I probably transitioned to Vegito EX's homepage around that time. Oh, but okay. uh, the links page had been up for about two months at that point. Uh, no, Viz released the first monthly floppies of the Dragon Ball parentheses and Dragon Ball Z uh, manga, March 1998, wow. March March sixth. Yep. It's an age ago, but I remember being in school and picking those up. And <laughs> I, I turn my head to the side and I look at them right over there on the shelf. It, mm. To me, mm. I don't I want to say it, it feels like a modern thing because I had right. only been into the series for a couple of years at that point. Uh, but I think about how many different versions of the manga Viz has released over the years. And that's that's where it all began. Do we have to explain what these are to people, though? Because, I mean, we're at three know. in ones. At this point. So when Viz started releasing the Dragon Ball manga, it was in a format that uh, approximated what the American comic book industry was doing, which is that exact same size as if you went and bought Batman or X-Men or anything, uh, be that exact same size. Uh, Dragon Ball was not flipped. That was something new, really. Uh, There hadn't been much out there at that time that was not flipped. That is mirrored left to right. A lot of manga of the day was flipped to be read in a 
traditional American comic book style. Dragon Ball was not that. Uh, that was new and exciting. And it was only, what, it was two chapters per little book? Something like yeah, that? Yeah, two chapters. They, they increased it to three later on, but they started out with two. Yeah, you'd pay your three bucks so you get your couple chapters, and, and that's how it was. Uh, they got into the King Piccolo arc of what we would, if you want to uh, equate it to the TV series, remember Dragon Ball is simply Dragon Ball 1 through 519 in the original manga. Viz split it uh, for marketing purposes, mirroring the TV show. Uh, they got into the King Piccolo era of the first series, and then they got into the end of the Frieza arc over in the Z portion of the series. That was around the time, though, that they were transitioning. Uh, the very end of 2002, they were hyping up their January 2003 launch of their Shonen Jump print magazine. I know we're in the age of digital manga now, but Viz started as a physical company. They had a print magazine for many, many years. It started in 2003, and uh, Dragon Ball transitioned over there for the Z portion, uh, starting with Trunks over there as a monthly publication. It's it's just hard to believe that it's gone so long, even here. I mean, it doesn't feel like that long ago, and I know that makes me sound old, and I guess I am. Yeah, you're you're officially old now <laughs> with the rest right? of us. You were I, lagging I, behind a little bit. I, I made a, a thing, a petition back in the day when petitions seemed like they mattered, and it actually worked for a, a while. Yeah. All right. So while we're reminiscing, do you want to explain the Toys R Us incident and uh, what your response to that was? Yes. So apparently a concerned parent or perhaps several encountered these packs of uh, Dragon Ball comics that are being sold in Toys R Us and were offended by the little boy penis and other sort of comedic nudity therein and uh, demanded that Viz do something about it. So they started censoring their comics, which included um, the aforementioned nudity, but also uh, some language edits, which didn't really seem like they were necessary even at the time, but would probably not even be relevant nowadays. But anyway, I was incensed at this being, you know, still in my teens and angry about things and eager to change the world. So I wrote a petition, which actually got the attention of the editorial department at Viz, and they decided they would actually go back to not censoring the Dragon Ball portion and the Dragon Ball Z portion, such as it was, remained censored because they decided it would need more light censorship. Mm-hmm. It was their editorial decision. And that lasted about until they started putting out the Shonen Jump edition trade paperbacks, and then they reverted to policy of censorship for all of it. But that that's a whole other topic, which I feel like maybe we've done in the past, but probably deserves updating because of the years that have elapsed in between. But yeah, wow. Oh, I know there, there was a time where it was, all right, what printing did you get that determined the amount of censorship? Ring that you had in a particular volume. Uh, and then we had things like printing errors in the three and ones that they would say that they were going to go back and fix and people continue to check in on them from time to time. It's like, oh, this never actually got fixed. The Dragon Ball manga is, I don't want to say it's a bit of a dumpster fire right. over here in America, but because I mean, in, in general, like the entire thing is available. You can just simply get in a consistent format one through again, 519 beginning to end. And we're even at a point where the entire thing is simply called Dragon Ball. Uh, right. The latest releases don't split it up, but th- there are still this bad baggage these issues from the last 20 years and then if you want to talk about gerard jones and (laughs) maybe Mm. what they might want to think about doing in response to these allegations and charges if you don't know what we're talking about maybe i'll drop a link in the show notes there man dragon ball manga from viz 20 years man 
So memories, such nostalgic. All right. So that's a little bit of <laughs> news and just kind of intro things. It just, it felt right. It's It's been 20 years of that. Uh, now seems like the right time to talk about it. And we could time it down almost to the exact date. So from here, Julian, what you and I are going to talk about, we're going to transition to our topic portion of the show. We are going to talk about Dragon Ball and its crossovers, its uh, interactions with a little series called Kochikame. All right, Julian, the full title. <clears throat> which, is, <laughs> which means this is the police station in front of Kameyari Park in Katsushika Ward, which is part of Tokyo. So this is, uh, it, I guess we can say now was, uh, <laughs> recently was, a very long running series. It hit 40 years. Yeah. Exactly 40 years almost, like almost to the to the issue. So just a, a very simple overview of what this series is. It's about a policeman and his wacky adventures, pretty much, right? Pretty much. Um, so there's this policeman, Kankichi Ryotsu, a.k.a. Ryo-san, who is the lazy bum of a policeman at a rather sleepy police station in front of the titular park. And because of perhaps the lack of actual policing that he needs to do, he tends to get involved in things like money-making schemes and uh, threatening the criminals he does run across and trying to get them to give him bribes and stuff. But it's always just sort of stupid hijinks. And he's accompanied by a bunch of different characters, like the handsome uh, male cop along with the rich pretty female cop and the cross-dressing cop and the irate well not really the chief but like his boss and they they basically just have wacky adventures uh so how does this relate to dragon ball where we're gonna jump all the way back to 1990 here and we're gonna travel through time uh you think about how big dragon ball was there are lots of other series that are incredibly popular you think about a series that ran for 40 years uh surely something like that would cross over with toriyama have some kind of important uh, meeting between these two authors at some point. And sure enough, they did uh, several times over. Um, so Julian, take me back to 1990. This seems to be where it all began. Uh, two pages, <laughs> just two, yes. two pages in Kochikame really seemed to to kick it off. Uh, what happens here? So it, it there's this like minor story arc, which is itself is kind of unusual for the series because it was pretty episodic. The author made like the series was ending and had a series of like individual bonus things with each of the characters. And Yosan's thing was that he got ended up getting transferred to Planet Navic. So he's, they literally dump him out of the panel and into the one below. <laughs> and then he's trying to introduce himself to Frieza and his minions in English because they're aliens and therefore they must speak English and not Japanese. I don't know. <laughs> I want to say that it's not just Frieza and it's not just Zarbon. My boy, Apul, is there and he will return in the future. <laughs> right. <laughs> I love that of all the characters you could choose, Apul seemed uh, important enough to include here. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's just this bonus thing. It's only two pages and, um, 
the the best part of it really has to be the breaking the fourth wall. He is over top of the previous panel being dumped into the next panel. It, it's wonderful stuff. And <clears throat> that same year was Akira Toriyama's sort of 10-year career retrospective mm-hmm. where they had two books, not just one, of artwork published by him, sort of ser- treating it as serious art. And I think they may have had like a, a small exhibition of his work, but it was not as big as the later uh, Akira Toriyama The World exhibition from 93 to 95, 6. Anyway, they, they had um, an interview in the earlier of the two books where Akira Toriyama talks with the author of Kochikame, um, Osamu Akimoto, about their cre- uh, techniques in creating characters. Yeah, it's not particularly long. Uh, and I guess we could say part of why we're, we're talking about this now is just today as we're recording. Uh, Julian, you translated this brief little interview and we put it up on yes. uh, on the website. It's a new addition to our archives, a little bit inspired by what we'll talk about in a minute, uh, something that yes. was also on the official Dragon Ball website. Yeah, it, it's not particularly long, but they do talk about the characters, how they, they come about um, really creating these characters, what the inspiration is. And they go on to talk about some other stuff. I want to pull out one particular quote here uh, from Toriyama. This really, really resonated with me, and I didn't think about this, but it's absolutely true. So they're talking about their characters and the differences between the protagonists and the antagonists and how uh, they play off of each other. And Toriyama says, in response to uh, what Akimoto is talking about, on that point, Goku is the type who wouldn't talk if there were a lot of people around. So if I put out two strong a character, he could get upstaged. So I try to write him to be as much of a lone wolf as possible. And that got me thinking, yeah, if, if Goku is there with a whole bunch of other characters, I really do picture everyone else not being the life of the party, but really having a conversation and Goku just really being off in his own head. Yeah. And, and you see that in, in some of other of uh, Toriyama's things that he does with uh, Dragon Ball. If you look uh, particularly at the way that even mo- more modern stuff like Battle of Gods is structured. He's kind of off doing his own thing while the yeah, group yeah. gathers. And even when he's with the group, he tends to stay off with one or two other people talking to them. He's not that often the center of attention. He he needs to be like grouped off with one or two other people and interacting with them. Because he's not, even though he's he's the... Main He's the main character. character. He doesn't function very well as a focal point. He he doesn't control the room. He doesn't command attention in the way that other characters often do. And we see that with the villains that Toriyama brings out to come up against Goku. And I feel like that kind of goes against what he's saying here, where if I bring out too strong a personality, that'll upstage Goku. But he does that consistently. So... I don't know if he's being honest to himself or if he's, again, if we go, we go back to what we talk about so often, if he's just that genius and perfect of an author that even when he says, don't do this, he does it and he somehow makes it work. Well, I think part of that is, you know, you have to keep in mind that this is still 1990. So the stuff that I, that's comes true. later on hasn't happened yet. Right. We're still talking Cyan arc here. Uh, well, Cyan arc, Frieza arc. Um, yeah. that vicinity. And at that time, he's sort of off on his own anyway, because it's the secondary characters who go to Namek first. But Goku is the kind of person who works best, not when he's alone and not when he's surrounded by a lot of people, but like when he's one-on-one or with like two or three mm. other people. So you have this banter back and forth. But um, Toriyama has said in other things that Goku is also the kind of person who doesn't talk when he's 
all, all on his own. Um, he also wrote him somewhat out of spite to be like as unassuming of a protagonist as possible, partly just to get on his editor's nerves. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so he, he even took away the tale before putting it back at, at uh, Torishima's insistence. But I think after the first arc, he kind of was forced to give Goku a stronger personality. And part of that came out of the characterization that he was given in the uh, animated series. Because, you know, uh, if you're reading it in Japanese, his accent doesn't really start to come out consistently until the Red Ribbon arc, which mm-hmm. is not coincidentally when the TV show started. Right. And as we know, he the instant he heard Masako Nozawa's voice, that was, sorry, this this is my Goku. And he talked consistently over the years about how uh, he would, I think this is what you're alluding to, when he would write Goku, that would be the voice that would be in his head. Uh, it, it really played into the character that he was writing. Writing. Uh, tell me a little bit more about the rest of this interview. This was uh, a curious one for me to read your translation of, adapt, you know, format for the website. I'm, I'm working on it and I'm going, these two are having the same conversation, but they kind of feel like, yeah, they're answering each other, but they're, they're making their own separate points and they're not really playing off of each other. Is that just kind of, I don't want to say early Toriyama, because again, we're into Sai and Frieza arc. He's, he's come that far. He's already done Dr. Slump before this, it doesn't feel as natural and as candid as the Toriyama I'm used to reading from you and Jake over the last few years. It's hard for me to say. I mean, both of them are speaking relatively formally, um, and it's hard to judge exactly how this interview was conducted because there's no That's picture, true, yeah. there's no pictures of them together. Um, the interviewer, or what's presented as the interview, the bold text, um, addresses them stri- specifically, but it's not clear whether they were actually there. I, I, I translated Taidan as face-to-face talk. I kind of assumed that they were talking to each other, but it's hard to tell. Yeah, and it could, and it could have been edited down. I'm like. The, the interviews that we get between Toriyama and and Masakazu Katsura are actually heavily edited. Uh, there's an unedited version of their Sachie interview in the uh, Katsura uh, compendium that you have. And yeah. they go on tangents. They they get to sort of goofing off about stuff and they're janked back into the conversation. So it, it's hard to say whether it's because these two don't really interact all that much or whether they're just sort of trying to make their individual points while talking to each other but those are some of my thoughts on that it, this this feels like an edited conversation there seemed like there was much more to it it's probably a little bit of a combination of that of tori this not being you know bff katsura <laughs> as we would right. see in some other interviews right. uh and and again the more recent candid Toriyama. Uh, all right, well, let's continue through time here a little bit. Uh, still somewhat contemporary. You were talking about 1993. That would be a big year. Uh, yeah. Kochikame got a, a big guidebook, and uh, that was, as we're recording, not the most recent, but it was earlier today, the most recent entry in the nearly complete works of Akira Toriyama, again, which is the official Japanese Dragon Ball website every day, Monday through Friday. They're putting up, uh, they're throwing a dart, and they hit a random thing, and they just put up a citation, a photo, just just something. Uh, so what was Friday's, as we're recording, last Friday's, what was the uh, the entry there? So that was uh, Akira Toriyama's entry in that Kochikame guidebook, which was uh, sort of a message of, of uh, congratulations for uh, Os- Osamu Akimoto, along with a picture of Ryo-san wearing Goku's dogi. There's not much to it, although he did have a nice little comment. The strongest guy in the universe might be this guy. 
right here. And right. Uh, I think that that <laughs> takes us to uh, quite a few years in the future here. There's not much to say about it. It was just a little drawing, a little sketch and a fun little message. Uh, so, Julian, take me to 2006. So at this point, we're at, would this be the 30th anniversary of Kochikami? Was that the, the reason That was this? the 30th anniversary. Yeah, that was Jeez. the 30th anniversary book that they put out in 2006. I can't remember if it's, I think it was... Uh, a few months after I came back from studying abroad in Japan, but I picked it up mm-hmm. when I went back. It was the kind of thing where a lot of people had sort of little illustration tributes, but Toriyama actually got to do a collaboration with Akimoto on a short comic, and it's kind of a follow-up to the previous thing from 1990. Uh, it's not kind of, it is. They even talk about it as essentially being a direct sequel to however many years earlier it was. Uh, it's a follow-up to that. He, he's not just dumped on the planet. Uh, you saw in the in the two-pager that he did see Frieza there, but this kind of takes it in a little bit more loosely as if he had just been dumped there and is coming across things. Uh, so the rough storyline is here. Uh, he got dumped there. He comes across Frieza's spaceship. Frieza is there with, again, my boy Apul. This is a little bit more directly in the Dragon Ball series, sort of, kind of, because we have Vegeta off to the sidelines, kind of watching. This is if Vegeta were there uh, looking to steal the Dragon Balls from Frieza and the others. But basically, the story is exactly as we saw before. Uh, I'm a policeman. I'm on this planet. Uh, sir, you can't park your spaceship here. Yeah, he's, he's riding along on his bicycle, Chidori, complaining about the lack of convenience stores, and he spots Frieza's spaceship, which is illegally parked. Frieza's complaining about um, his minions not having found the rest of the Dragon Balls yet. And he's not even paying like serious attention to, to Ryo-san. He tries just like zapping him with uh, an energy blast. But Yosan survives. And he'll say, you know, you know, if you don't pay your fine, I'll have you towed. And then Frieza shoots an even larger energy blast at him. And, and at this point, like, it, it's all done. Like, I, I've totally got him. All right. I don't know what happened before, but I got him this time. But then... He shows up with damaged clothes, but he says, oh, I'll triple your fine, and then whips out his bazooka, which is also a thing he has in the main series. <laughs> and, and it's at this point that Apul has noticed, wait, his battle power is so low. Could could he could he possibly be? He's, he's figured it out. Apul is the smartest one here. This character, whoever he is, this person, he's a gag manga character. You cannot kill him. So Frieza attempts to do so anyway by shooting a volley of blasts at him, even gets a little out of breath in the process. But he gets right back up out of the crater that he was blasted into, and Frieza is so dismayed that he actually flies off in a ship. Well, hold on. Like you were talking about earlier, Ryosan's got all these money-making schemes. At this point, he's like, well, why don't you just pay me off, and we can pretend like this never happened. He says something like, buy me some nice sushi, and we'll forget about this. Right. But then Frieza just flies away. I saw nothing. I met no one. And it's at this point that Vegeta starts slinking out, but Ryosan notices him. He's like, oh, you're you're part of this group. And Vegeta's going, I, I, oh, no, nope, not, not a part of this. And who should show up at this point? But Goku arrives in his spaceship and, excuse me, sir, you can't park that spaceship here. <laughs> right? It all starts over again. The little collaboration chapter, the sequel, comes to an end here in the uh, 30th anniversary Cho Kochikame guidebook. Uh, Good times here all around. Right. It's just a little short comic, but it's really funny. I like it. It is. It's super good. That's pretty much where things end. I guess the only other... 
kind of crossover that they would have had was Jump Superstars, Jump Ultimate Stars on the Nintendo DS. If you want to throw Ryo-san and Frieza together on a team, you are more than welcome to do so over in that game. Uh, He's got Chidori there as well, so you can kind of ride around and drive people over at that point. Oh, what's what about the Victory Versus game? Were they both in there? Uh oh, God, was Ryo-san in J Stars? <laughs> oh my God, Ryo-san was in that. I totally forgot about that game. Yeah, Goku, Vegeta, Frieza are in that game. Uh, as is Ryo-san. So that was one more, and that's a little more recent and on current platforms. That got an international release of all things on the PS4 as well. So kind of got swallowed up by our Battle of Gods and all that other coverage that was still going on a year later. Not much to say about that game. Uh, I'm pretty sure that Kieran and I reviewed J-Stars, and it sure was a game. I remember playing the import version. That is my J-Stars story. (laughs) uh, I was leaving for vacation. We were going on a cruise, and I had ordered the ps3 and the vita version the import versions and fedex was like delaying my order i think they attempted to to deliver it and i had signed you know preemptively like it's okay to leave it without a signature and then they didn't do so and so i called them up and i said no why did you not leave my package i'm leaving tomorrow i need this I'm, this is going to be my vacation game and they went back again and they still didn't leave it and i called them again and said god damn it i'm going home i will be there leave me the package this is the game i'm taking with me and so i played that and it it wasn't very good, but <laughs> after all that, but I was going to come back and talk about it afterwards. So, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to bring it with me. I paid for the express shipping for it to arrive on time. So right? God damn it. Deliver my package <laughs> for me. Anyway, uh, that's the extent of uh, the Kochikame crossovers that, that we're aware of. I mean, Julian, you pretty much know everything there is to know out there. You haven't seen any other joint interviews between Akimoto and Toriyama, anything you know of? Um, not that I've seen. He has a different set of interviews in the uh, the World Special book, which I'll also get around to someday. But uh, that's that's a different story. But yeah, it's, it's interesting that he has these little sort of one-on-ones with these authors that are you know, they, they have a, a, they're not very long, but they give a, a nice sort of insight into his mindset at the time. I like that. I like seeing the way that he plays off of other artists and other authors. Of course, we know about his work with Oda uh, in right. 2006. That actually would have been around that same time. Cross Epoch was 2006, wasn't it? it yeah, it was like tail end of 2006. Christmas. They'd been working on it for like three years at that point they work at their own pace yeah yeah right uh and and there's been the the i don't want to call them theatrical but the kind of theme park crossover event things with one piece uh astro boy was uh mixed in there as well uh those kinds of events Uh, any other any other big crossovers dragon ball has had other than dr slump which is kind of the obvious one well there was the new year's thing in what 1994 where goku and uh chibi maruko chan were hosting oh New Year's program, which which was That's like right. broadcasting theatrical movies of their respective series. All right, we just uh, put up their their Goku interview correspondence up on the site. But that's about it, I think. Yeah, there might be something else out there that we're forgetting, but those are kind of the big crossovers. That's really what we're talking about this episode. <laughs> we <laughs> talked a little bit right. about uh, Viz's 20th anniversary. We talked about Kochikame, which uh, you know just hit its 40th. So is there anything that's having a 60th anniversary that's <laughs> relevant to our conversations here? A 60th anniversary? I don't know. Masako Nozawa's career? It's no, it's, it's, it's more than that, isn't it? She was going since like the 50s, right? 
but you're probably right. It's already been more than 60 years. I, I enjoy getting to talk about this stuff, though. It's an ex- it's an excuse for me to pull out stuff from the translation pile and actually finish it. Yeah. And, and usually usually stuff that doesn't take too much effort to finally get done. I mean, a lot of stuff secret behind the scenes. You've either transcribed it or transcribed it and maybe translated the questions, but not the answers yet, or did right. maybe a third of the answers. So there's always something that you could go to be like, Oh, that's right. That's what that was. And let me finish that up. And th- this, uh, Toriyama works entry, give us an excuse to get in there and, and knock that out. Uh, tell me a little bit about Toriyama works. Uh, I know I've talked about it quite a bit over the last few podcast episodes, yeah. but it's it's essentially been daily website content for us as well. So it's been a, a big part of uh, the last month or so for us, right. more than a month. So um, what do you think about it? it? It's it's fun. I get to demonstrate all the stuff that I've been collecting and researching. I, I've seen people like, oh, this is going to be a tough one for them. Like, excuse me. <laughs> Not only have we already translated this, but <laughs> three of us have copies of it. Uh, it's the kind of thing where, you know, a lot of stuff from Toriyama isn't necessarily directly related to Dragon Ball. So I'm like yeah, searching yeah. for an excuse to get it on the site. <laughs> so <laughs> this gives me the excuse that I'm looking for. I do appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, it's tough where it's, all right, this is a Dr. Slump calendar. Why, why are you posting about it? Well, technically it was on the official Japanese Dragon Ball website. And if they feel like they can post about it, well, hey, we can too. Uh, so, and I know uh, other folks in some other countries other languages are covering this stuff too but quite frankly they're looking to us as we cover it i've, I've gotten comments from them they're like oh thank you for posting about that because it gave us something else to write about at the same time and not even just them but just regular fans i i, I genuinely have received uh twitter comments and emails and other just personal messages like this is it's fun to follow along with this stuff it's just random little tidbits here and there and every day monday through friday you just get a little fun thing to learn about and i I think that's great for us. All right, Julian, uh, what do you think? What's on deck for you? Uh, we launched the Gods and Cosmos Guide. Oh, my God, I can't believe that's right. <laughs> I for- forgot to mention that. Uh, so check that out on the website. Uh, the way Heath described it, this is accurate. It is uh, a living guide. We will continue to add to it. Uh, I actually added <laughs> content to it the day it launched i wrote an entire new subsection in it uh, it's just <laughs> it's just going to be <laughs> a guide like that uh now is the right time it was we can just keep tweaking it and we'll never post it or let's just post it at 99 percent, and it'll be live and we'll just keep wrapping it up and adding more to it uh a couple right. of people rightfully so did point out hey you didn't mention the Kaioshin of time at all and that's not an anti-video game thing that was just an oh shit you're right we totally forgot about that so (laughs) (laughs) i've taken it upon myself to start writing that up so uh i will add that to the section at some point yeah even though it's not part of uh the the true continuity of the series 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 it's it's the kind of thing where the the deeper you go the further you fall you either have to find a point where you're just going to say, okay, I'll put up what I've got so far or mm-hmm. you're never going to be finished. And right. they just keep throwing more stuff at us. So that's, that's the state of that guy right now. It's in, it's in a great place. And I think you've noticed that the intergalactic locations page is not live. That was definitely one of the, if we don't just make this live, we will never finish that page, especially the way that super has gone. So let's just launch it with everything else. And we'll get to that page when we get to it and, and that'll be fine too. So anyway, what I'm getting to is that's been a big, project that we've launched on the site that was one of the things that heath and i have been talking about over the last i think year or so of yeah we're getting ready to finish this guide and damn it super stop talking about
about things and expanding the God hierarchy. It's literally the guide we were ready to launch in 2013, and you had to ruin everything for us. <laughs> Julian, what, what else do you think is in the pipeline for you? Something you talked about uh, for the New Year episode was you want to jump back to the 30th anniversary book, so that's always hanging out there. Anything kind of piquing your interest right now? Um, well, I got a couple of things that I'd like to do when I get free time. My semester goes until the end of April, and then I'll have a couple of months until my family is coming here for the better part of August because my wife and kids, which I've discussed before, are currently in Japan while I'm in the U.S. Actually, I'm going to visit them in Japan later this month. So if you want anything, put in your request before I go. Anyway, (laughs) Uh, that that, statement was for me, not for the listeners. Just putting that out there. Yeah, just just to be clear, because I'm not buying stuff for all of you. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Anyway, so give us give us a a tease a false promise (laughs) what's something you want to hit soon well i'd like to hit up his um some some more material from the 30th anniversary book and maybe jump back to the interview that he had in 1985 in the comic box which is like a year out from the start of dragon ball so he's Mm -hmm. just hitting his stride with the series it hasn't gone on tv yet it's really uh, sort of a time capsule of that moment during the series where it's about to really become the juggernaut that it became. So I'd like to get that up there. That feels like such a unique point in time. And I guess that's one other thing to mention. One of the recent Toriyama works was uh, the Weekly Jump issue where they're promoting, hey, the, the TV show is about to start. So <laughs> there was some really good stuff in there. Uh check it all out well let's bring it to a close www.kanzenshuu.com that is kanzenshu this has been episode 435 of our podcast kicking off march 2018 i've got some grand plans for the next month or so cool things coming to the podcast it's always just a matter of arranging and finding the time to refresh on the things we want to talk about while we're working on a variety of other things like a grand tour grand yeah, that's coming. That that actually, oh, that was that would have been the the last week, and then this week. But we we got like crazy weather <laughs> the last actually couple weeks, uh, kind of yeah. freak storms over here on the east coast. So kind of threw off plans for recording, and and uh, it was Jeff's anniversary this weekend. So I gave him the weekend off from. Other things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so able to enjoy that. Uh, we're looking at probably next week. I think we're uh, looking at recording the next uh, GT episode. So I know, sorry, we didn't get one in February, but if Toyotaro is allowed to complain about February being too short, well, guess what? Kanzenshi was going to complain about February being too short too and didn't quite get in everything we wanted to. But hey, you know what? Those previous episodes were almost two months apart and we're going to do less than two months apart this time. So technically we're still on schedule. <laughs> Question mark. Uh, anyway, that was Julian. I have been Mike. Kanzenshu.com. Check out the website. Check out all the social medias. Uh, and we will see you next time here on our podcast. Otherwise, check out all the good stuff going on on the site. Julian, you get the final word. The final word. The final authority on Dragon Ball. What do you have to say? Yes. Um, but more specifically, thank you for listening to this week's edition of the podcast. And we'll catch you next time. Oh,